What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie, uh, the proper Movie Schmovie podcast. The timeline, the sacred timeline has been restored, I guess. I know. Uh, yeah. Restored um, is the right word for it. Was, it. it mysteriously yeah. broken and mysteriously restored. Yeah. Too bad it's we had weird. This... Go ahead, Ronald. Too bad we had to stab Kang to get this all straightened out. It's fucking weird. Is that what that was? Okay. Man, yeah. Was just... You know, I don't think that was the only Kang, Ronald. I th- I think we're going to have more trouble from this Kang character. <laughs> it seems like it. seems like it. That's just bad news the, when a Kang rolls into town. It just seemed the too timing, easy. The, the, the timing was perfect, just, you know, how that happened right at the season finale for Loki. Just yeah. Like, it's almost <laughs> it's like it was right planned there. or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, but like yeah, welcome someone to- behind the scenes was planning it, you mean. That's yeah. what it was. Uh, but yeah, welcome back to Movie Shmovie, the 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 sacred timeline of movie movie, the proper movie movie podcast feed again, episode three Oh seven. I'm Steve. I'm here as always with I'm Ron and I'm John. Yeah. The proper versions of ourselves. The ones we've all known. Yeah. Pretty sure. Loved yeah. For 10 years. Yeah. Going. Not, yeah. not Roland Jones, not Roland Jones. Although a good hang, a good hang. By the way, <laughs> I, we didn't say what we are in, in, in our variant selves. I have a feeling mine is just John Walker backwards, which is Nodge Recklaw. <laughs> ah, I like that, actually. A lot. What about I you, Steve? Know. What do you think your, your uh, other identity was? My, mine backwards would just be Nevette's Ritter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. Ritter, you're right. Your last name is a, a palindrome, as they palindrome. say. Yeah, that's so, pretty I cool. that going for me. Um, I just, I would, I'll just go by my last name in all the timelines. So you never know which one I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just really, really screw things up. Yep. But there's another dimension where your name actually is reader and where people called, called you Ritter and you let them, you know, it's the flip of, uh, what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you yeah. had me believing it was reader for a really long time. I don't know if you remember <laughs> people who listen to the show might not remember that I, Steve's name is spelled R E T E R and we worked at the same place. And I said, I th- I think somehow I said something that was like, is Steve is is it reader is that okay or something like that and you were like yeah yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> so I walked around calling like, you Steve reader and then one day we were on this podcast and I referred to you giving a quick opinion on something I said oh a quick read from Steve reader and then you said yeah that would group be great if not for the fact that my name is not pronounced Ritter or right. not pronounced reader and then. Um, we came up with quick Ritz for Steve Ritter, which is better anyway, because we <laughs> put in the little better. Ritz sound effect when that, yeah. when that came up. Yeah. But so how much do you go around just letting people say your name wrong and not correcting them? Because you had such a good attitude. You were like, yeah, that's fine. The, you didn't correct I, me. You could have totally said, no, it's Ritter. Yeah. But you were like, yeah, whatever you want. It's cool. <laughs> well, well, the reason, the funny thing is, like, I just, like, my whole life, it's been, like, half my family, uh, extended family, I guess, like, Locally in this Baltimore area, there's a lot of family around here, and they half go by Ritter, half go by Reader. Yeah. You know, depending who, depending who you know in the in the family, it's like, uh, so I just like don't care, honestly. <laughs> like even yeah. at work, st- even at work, still, you know, it's like have it's like Reader, Redder, Ritter, like it's all right. kinds of things. I, you know, I know you're talking to me, right? It's fine, I don't mind. It's all good. Yeah, it falls um, into the category of I knew what you meant, so let's not exactly. worry about it, right? Yeah. Well, that's very right. big of you. Um, <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks, man. Uh, so it's good to be back. It's good to be... Oh, uh, we initially had talked about doing um, another uh, watch Them all episode for our Nightmare on Elm Street series this week. But in the time between uh, that crossover event with Marvel Schmarvel uh, yeah. and now, 
we somehow managed to watch a few things that it seems like maybe it's a little more timely to uh, to discuss some of these newer titles that all of us have seen, some of us have seen, but just to kind of get it on the podcast and talk about it while these things are either newly in theaters, newly streaming on uh, you know whatever digital platform they may be on. Um, so we're going to do that this week. We're going to talk about a couple of news items at the top of the show. But then we have a lot to talk about, so we'll kind of just jump through these things and probably some sort of quick manner just yeah. to kind of cover as much as possible but um ronald you had mentioned before you recorded like our news bit section that we usually do for the podcast is very marvel heavy and it's i'm okay so with that heavy, man. i'm okay with it marvel schmarvel it seems like it's going to be a little bit of a delay until we do another episode for whatever it may be time to so i'm good with it if you guys are i think it's timely uh i think you know people love marvel stuff and marvel's all over the place right now so Hell yeah! What uh, what news uh, has come down the pike, as they say, uh, Marvel related? The Marvel so I pike. guess <laughs> one of the biggest things is Michaela Cole, who it is really pretty popular from uh, her HBO miniseries. Um, why can't I remember the name of it, man? I may destroy you. I may destroy you. Yeah. And she has written a show as well. Why can't I'm I'm having a crazy brain fight? I wrote all this stuff down. But she will be um she's been announced to be in the Black Panther film, uh Wakanda Forever. Um and it seems to be two running theories kind of simultaneously. One is a lesser known character, uh, Madam Slay, uh a character in Black Panther who um was the love interest of Killmonger and has the ability to bring people back and is really Ooh. cool and amazing. Really rare character. Doesn't really get talked about quite as much. Isn't really wow. even in the newer run of the comics, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And then the other theory is that she may be cast as Storm. Um, but Michaela Cole is like a, a powerhouse actress. Um, yeah. she, she She's just incredibly funny. Uh, and does, as we've seen, drama in a way that's really raw and, and pretty incredible. So how you guys feel about that? Chewing Gum is the name of her show. It's, I'm sorry I didn't mention that earlier. Mm. Yeah, what do you guys think? John? I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with what I always think about this Marvel announcements. One of the reasons why it would be possible to to run a, a, a feature that's just Marvel announcements is that at, they're at this point where they kind of get anybody. And that includes everybody from like people with huge legacy careers, uh, like people like Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer and right. all that shit to like William Hurt, et cetera, to people like who are, uh, who are coming up and who are like on the, you know, on the edge of what's what's new and what's fresh uh, to people. And so to me, that just is exciting. I mean, it all gets a little bit homogenized by the Marvel brand. And by the, by the time something comes out, it is kind of put through some kind of a ringer. But I think we're seeing that they're willing to experiment with tone and, and, you know, with just what the feel of a project might be a little bit more as they go along. They've always said that, and they're kind of putting that uh, to, to the test now. So, yeah, I, I, I always get excited when I hear a name like that announced for a Marvel movie because it seems to me like it kind of legitimizes it in a way that they're not just looking at, you know, quote-unquote big names, household names. They're actually yeah. looking at who might be the most uh, interesting artists uh, that are, you know, working right now. So I don't know the the show. I always thought it looked really cool that I I'm, will destroy you or I may destroy you. Is Make that sure. what it is? Um, 
I may have watched part of an episode, but I definitely was like, oh, this is cool. This has a very, it has a very naturalistic kind of uh, interesting tone. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's reason to be, just like I always say about this stuff, there's reason to be somewhat skeptical about how much of a splash one actor can make in the middle of this type of machinery, but there's also reason to be hopeful because as recently as Jonathan Majors popping up on Loki, we see how an actor actually can, you know, have a lot to do, have a lot to chew on in one of these Marvel maybe villain roles, maybe not. Um, yeah. it's, it's not all just being told where to stand in front of a green screen and, and shouting uh, important sounding lines. Some of these people get to play characters. So let's hope that uh, this person is one. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Um, that's pretty cool. And uh, the next piece of information is about Blade. Uh, Mogul, uh, Mowgli, uh, I kind of mentioned this film uh, last year, uh, directed by Bassam Tariq, he will be doing a Blade movie. So these are two Muslim Americans. The director, Bassam Mahershala Ali. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen any of Bassam's like TED Talks or anything like that, but he, he has started this kind of initiative to kind of bring positive light to Muslim Americans and Muslim, Muslim culture just in general. So I'm, I'm really very down to see what this guy brings to the table. Uh, Mogul Mowgli was like a super emotional, very interesting film uh, with a lot of like kind of indie stuff to it. So I, I haven't seen anything that feels very big like Blade would be, but maybe that's what maybe that's what this needs. Maybe this needs like a small scale story that 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 Blade could kind of move through. Yeah. It seems like it seems like that's kind of like their approach to all, a lot of these Marvel movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's almost like, and some people criticize this. And I, I don't know that I, I definitely don't agree in general with this. But like, you know, when you look at uh, like Chloe Zhao or you know Kate Shortland, like a lot of these directors that they've gotten for some of the more recent Marvel movies or upcoming ones, um, they're not like you just said, basically, they're not directors that have any kind of real track record or like known for like big action or a lot of what these movies deliver. And some of that is relying on like this idea that Marvel kind of ensures that these movies at least like look similar or, or are presented similarly in, in some sort of fashion. And a lot of that action kind of looks like that Marvel brand of action. So, you know, a lot of that stuff is like kind of question and whether some of that is handled by like second unit directors and things like that which it very well could be in terms of stunts and, and the way those action scenes are shot and, and kind of assisting these directors, if that's the case, I don't know that it is, but I think the motivation is, is like you're saying, Ronald is to kind of get more of a more unique voices where if they're going to be fit into a system where Marvel's going to ensure that these movies look a certain way yeah. or have some sort of benchmark for action, that they're at least starting at the point where the person in charge of this production in general is able to offer something different, you know, like mm -hmm. this more of a story beat or more of a, a human piece or a narrative piece that people like the three mentioned just now. Um, yeah. You know, that, you know, you have Black Widow, Eternals, you know, even um, uh, what's his name that's doing uh, Shang-Chi, um, uh, Dustin Crest, uh, what is his last name? Uh, they they don't really have like a history of anything really. I mean, just some smaller films that were like well received human movies, you know, like very character driven dramas. Um, so it just seems like all to just say like it's definitely a consistent approach they seem to be taking with the way they are selecting directors 
for their movies. And uh, uh, Des- know, Destin Daniel Critton committing to that. That's- Destin Daniel Critton is the guy doing Shang Chi, who had yeah. done like Just Mercy and The Glass Castle, like Short Term Twelve. Like these are very like character driven movies. Um, but then you put him in like this massive like kung fu action movie. And you know, like, how is that? How does that work? And it's right, like, well, right. it's it's just gonna work. You just like kind of believe it's gonna work. And uh, yeah, Blade, uh, very excited for that. I love Mahershala, obviously. Um, we all are big fans of his. And uh, I know you were kind of uh, talking positively about uh, Mogul Mowgli last year. So it's an interesting yeah. choice, and especially because there were other bigger names being kind of thrown around for Blade over the past few weeks. Um that it ended up going to him. So it's, it's kind of a, a cool, cool announcement, I guess. By the way, I, th- I had myself muted. Uh, so I didn't, uh, I was like talking for a second. It took me a second to realize, Oh, that's why uh, Steve didn't seem to hear me. But also like the fact that these people are indie darlings, you know, they're making yeah. movies that yeah. are getting a lot. Of, I mean, so that thing you're saying about they're getting swallowed by this machine. I, you know, I think that's something you always worry about when, yeah. when you hear about studios pegging someone interesting to be like part of a franchise or whatever, but maybe yeah. Marvel is at this point where they're going to get more uh, bold, even because f- I think at this point they should be encouraged. Uh, don't you think yeah. by, pe- by people's yeah. reaction, they're throwing, throwing a lot at the wall and seeing what sticks. And, and so, I don't know. I feel like the fact that say the Eternals, everyone has said that it didn't, it didn't look that much like a Marvel movie that we come to expect. It still had, you know, certain moments that felt like they were those big trailer moments. So maybe they are becoming more bold and letting certain directors. I mean, with, with Chloe Zhao, they have an Oscar winner on their hands. So it's like, um, you know, I think that, I mean, again, it's, it's to say that these movies are high profile is, is, is ridiculous and obvious, but to say that maybe that some of this, this talent, I mean, we saw it with Ryan Coogler, we've seen it with James Gunn on a certain level. Some of this talent is able to bring sort of an auteurist <laughs> film sort of through that system, something that's got a, a person's imprint. So if they're actually sure. allowing some of these movies to be stranger and smaller and more unique, um, I mean, that's better for movies, right? Like we, you know, we, we like the soap opera, but we're not, we're not, we don't want to just be, uh, you know, like on the drip of the exact same thing. So I, I think that, I think that until we hear the horror stories about one of these directors being run off the project because of studio meddling, I think thus far they have a pretty decent track record with these, these types yeah, of man. people. So. And speaking of track record, last piece of Marvel news. Uh, <laughs> Please. It's so crazy. Make it Victor- in. <laughs> Victoria Alonso, who's the uh, executive vice president for Marvel Studios, just announced that officially Miss um, Marvel and Hawkeye are coming out this year. Yep. So regardless of how you feel about the, the train that is Marvel, you got two more shows coming on top of the films. The three films, the three marvel studios films and then that doesn't even count the sony <sighs> yeah this is a crazy year for marvel but um but, it's interesting. But, but seeing how they all interlock is what's interesting to me yeah. like seeing when those things might arrive based on what things they might be setting up for the movies or what they might be reacting to yeah. i mean obviously the black widow movie ended with a stinger that could set us up for one big piece of what the Hawkeye show could be. And I think Miss Marvel is, you know, an interesting property that I don't know what it would connect directly to, but for them to announce that those are coming before the end of the year, part of me thinks that's just them saying, we're going to try to have something going almost at all times in terms of the Marvel television shows. But it also, have you guys given any thought to like what that could mean about when those shows will come out and when they'll fall in the schedule in relation to the movies? Because 
both shows premiering by the year's end doesn't mean that they're both going to finish airing by the year's end. Yeah, yeah. So we could have um, one of those shows coming out like at yeah. the end of the year. But, yeah, like but, right in December or something. But there's like room that. in the fall for one of, for like a six or eight episode run, you know, to happen. Yeah. Like after What If and in between all the movies. But yeah, it, yeah. I mean, ha, do, do you guys have any thoughts about that? Like what that might mean for the for the stories or or do you think they're they're going to be independent of the movies cuz it's kind of hard to see maybe how Miss Marvel would connect to any of the movies we have coming up but maybe it's uh maybe it branches off from Eternals or maybe it branches off or has something to do with Spider-Man who knows yeah i it feels like it, it feels like there's like you kind of hinted at this and i i didn't think about it quite as clearly as you said like you know that Kevin Feige kind of said it first John, you kind of said this, that he was like, you know, you don't have to watch the TV shows Mm -hmm. to watch the movies. And now it feels like he's 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 kind of done a gotcha on 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 some of us. You know what I mean? Like it look, it's not absolutely required. But if if you want to get some of the sides, you know, in the movie where they're like, well, that was really crazy what happened in Russia with. You know, it's just like you—you right. you have to see these things in order f- for you to get the references. Now, yeah, I'm okay with that. I, f- I feel like it's going to be the commitment. I mean, I think like maybe yeah. it's not as imperative right now because they are kind of, you know, in a little—not a lull, but like they're ramping up now. You know, it's yeah. starting to come fast. Um, so it's maybe not as like uh, explicitly clear like how quickly it's going to tie into these movies and dictate what's yeah. happening across the movies. But I do think like from this point forward, it seems like, uh, I don't know where to, how to predict what it will do, but it does seem like you're going to, yeah, I mean, like you're going to need to see these shows to, to get some parts of the movies, you know, to yeah. like connect these things. And I think, you know, even how they've already started to play with the timeline of the shows and the movies um, is interesting because like, you know, we, I don't know, I think we talked about it a little bit about the Black Widow, like, stinger, you know, the, the fact that Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character, like, Valentina is present in Black Widow, you know, post-Civil War, and then we see her in, you know, Captain Winter Soldier. You, you just, you, 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 you then know her presence has been in there, you know, for that time, you know, yeah. longer than we thought, I guess, in general. Yeah. You know, it's not a, it's not a new thing post-Endgame. Like, she's been manipulating people you know there's language of your new target or your next target like she's already been working with yelena yeah. in some way when we see her so i think that's really cool that they kind of are directing us from there to the hawkeye series and you know obviously that timing is like it's, it's kind of in the air it's a little gray still but i just think that they're already kind of flexing a little bit in terms of what they can do with these shows and yeah. you know that's not even discussing the whole Loki of it all, like what that, or, or the fact that they released that great Hawkeye trailer like almost a year ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep, that's. I mean, I bl- never, I blame Kang for that. Never forget. I blame I blame Kang for that, man. Yeah, he leaked through, and Johnson how saw it, and they pulled it yeah, out. Uh, yeah, a, a sleepy uh, guy without glasses saw it on his phone and thought it might be the worst Marvel trailer ever. And that <laughs> was like, this is... that was what I wanted to say. It was yeah. this is terrible? And it's oh no, that's I, you know no, that's clearly fake. <laughs> so hilarious. Um, 
But no, it's it's interesting how much people have known about these projects and they, they know enough, you know, to like, we've known about yeah. the Hawkeye show for a while. We've known about Kate Bishop, the, the Haley Stein, Steinfeld, Stein, Steinfeld, Steinfeld uh, yeah. Haley Steinfeld uh, character that it's like to comics readers, especially, you know, people that have really followed a recent, there was a recent Hawkeye run that had a lot with her. You know, that's a lot to be excited about, but how does it fit in? What does it mean for our other you know, the, the universe, yeah. the yeah. idea that this yeah. could be at least put in motion by the idea that someone's trying to make him pay for what happened to Natasha in Endgame. That, that again, just like Marvel is, they have a knack for doing this connects uh, this new idea to something that's very rooted in something that we already have proven we care about as, as yeah. audiences. So even if that's not the yeah. main story and it kind of seems like it couldn't sustain too much, like uh, Elena can't be working against, I mean, if, if she's to be a hero, she can't be working yeah. against Hawkeye the whole time. But yeah. I do think that the idea that those two would have to come to terms, I mean, you know, uh, Jeremy Renner might might have some good stuff to play there because he clearly would be all torn up and feel guilty about what happened to Natasha. So I don't know. I think there, that, that, feels, that feels fertile, but it also feels like let's hope there's a good news story. Because if there's one thing these these Marvel shows have done, it's kind of a mixed bag in terms of, how much does the new tone, the new idea, the new whatever the show is, how much yeah. does that, like, is that as good as the what we're bringing to it, the kind of connections to the other stuff? And, uh, yeah, right. you know, I don't know if they have have yet to totally have a perfect uh, version of that. But I think, you know, to me, it seems like they've tried different versions as they've gone. So Hawkeye could be, like, I don't know what kind of story it would be. Is it going to fit right in with the tone of Falcon and Winter Soldier? Or is it going to be its own its own little thing. Like, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know anything about the villains on that show. I don't know anything about like how crazy it gets, but let's see. It could sneak up on us with something really cool. Yeah. 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 Um, so maybe we can touch on some things that are not are, Marvel, are, are not Marvel <laughs> and, and things we haven't seen kind of some breadcrumbs. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Peele released the poster for his upcoming film. Nope which looks Great like title. A, yeah which is just like a cloud and what looks like a kite string a or kite, kite tail coming out of it kite yeah. tail coming out of a cloud that's yeah huge yeah. and high up yeah there's no telling i mean he's he can keep us guessing until we see the movie but surely there'll be some marketing that will yeah. bring us closer to this idea than that but it's a year from now it's literally a year from yeah. today that the movie comes but out but three amazing kiki palmer Daniel Kaluuya, Stephen Yoon. I, I feel like I never pronounced his name correctly because I watched uh, a podcast where he corrected somebody and said, my name's not pronounced. I have to rewatch it, but Stephen Yoon. But this it's looks like it's like Stephen, Stephen Ritter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sometimes he corrects you. Sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> sometimes he doesn't. Um, yeah. What do you guys think about the poster? I mean, I, I mean, there's not much we could say from the poster, but. It's a good start. I mean, like it's, yeah. it's just it, it looks it looks uh, it makes me very curious, which is like what he does so well. And, you know, like you said, you hear four things. It's Jordan Peele, Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yeun. And um, you're like, yep, that works. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, and the tag like the new the new a new terror or whatever that tagline across the top is. It's just like, you know, right. of course, of course, <laughs> like we were talking on our thread. It's like. He's like the guy. Like I feel like in the genre space of of like the horror, suspense, thriller, whatever you want to tag it as, like you know Jordan Peele is probably the the one that you know you see that name associated with really anything that he's doing himself directly or or even through Monkey Paul. Like it's like he is a, a huge draw. Uh, 
across the board and uh and an academy award winner yeah. it's crazy to see that on the poster crazy. too it's amazing crazy we have two academy award winners on this poster yeah and uh and uh you know he's like the guy i mean I, i'd say probably him like james wan has the same kind of pool probably in the horror community um yeah that trailer know, of, of, was released too yeah for, yeah for malignant like it's just like you know, there's a couple of this the, the, the newer school of the, of the of the more current modern filmmakers that are out there. Like those two, probably um, Mike Flanagan's probably the third one. You know that are just where like, you yep, could put that name on there, and you could yep. pretend at least that that name means something to people. But yeah. even if people don't know the name Mike Flanagan, or if they don't know what all James Wan has done, if you put up yeah. on the screen, if you say you know, whatever it was, Insidious. They did, um, yeah. Which, yeah. What, there's three, there's three big ones, Insidious. Saw, Insidious, and yeah. Conjuring. Right. But I mean, like, if you're a horror fan, then those mean those names mean something to you. Yeah, And, for and sure. I think Jordan yeah, Peele sure. is now one of those kind of brand name, maybe even more brand namey than a lot of folks, because he already had yeah. a certain amount of fame. But like, yeah, like the fact that he can just say, he, he can drop a poster and, and it's all over the place and people are talking about it. I mean, that's a... Yeah. And for him to be a guy who produces and co-creates and all that shit, this is another baby of his. You know, like this is this is that follow-up that you're kind of waiting yep. for, and I think that yeah. that adds the uh, the weight of excitement to it. It's exciting. Huh? Yeah. Um, have you seen any trailers lately, Steve? That have caught yeah. your attention? Gosh, maybe one big long trailer I saw today that was great. What? <sighs> yeah, what trailer I mean, are you? He's what? talking about Dune. Oh. Yeah, the Dune trailer. Dune, Dune, Dune trailer too. Yeah, the full, the full, full trailer. Yeah, the three and a half minute trailer. Which I, well, I first saw that and I was like, I, oh man, three and a half minutes. It seems like they don't know how to tighten up this trailer. But by the time it yeah. got to the end, I was like, I could have watched a little bit more of that footage. I mean, I think Denny Villeneuve is one of our, one of our guys in terms of just. Yeah. We've liked a lot of of his movies, and I think Dune is is a property that I've I've. I've tried to read it a few times. I've never quite gotten into it. I know people who love it. I mm. do know a lot about it. I know it's a dense mythology. I know that it actually is very, in some ways, kind of sophisticated and adult compared to a lot of other fantasy that gets that gets turned into movies. And of course, we have the famous David Lynch movie that was an attempt to, to consolidate it down into one thing. And then I think there's been like a sci-fi channel miniseries or something as well. But this just, the scope of it, the visuals that Denny is able to produce. I mean, we know he's kind of a master visual stylist. He gives things such atmosphere and there's a kind of reality uh, and yet a kind of beauty to his images. And, you know, he yeah. showed he can do the kind of fantastical stuff in uh, in Blade Runner. Um yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's I'm I'm in the bag for this movie already, but I think this trailer did a pretty good job of like, okay, of hooking you in as though you're just just a person, just a moviegoer. Um, yeah. Does, what's this about? I thought it did a pretty neat job of setting up a fantasy world that I'm intrigued to see a lot more of, and the cast is unbelievable. Un, it's every star that you could possibly think of, and then and then I forgot. Yeah. And then. Batista shows up. Dave Batista shows up, and then I for, I forgot that he was in that. And then another person, like yeah. that's every person that's pretty amazingly popular right now is in this film. Mm -hmm. He knows how to do atmosphere like I've never seen. Like there's a lot. I don't watch a lot of films and feel small. I watch yeah. that film and I'm like I'm I'm in a new I'm in a new world that I haven't seen before. The scale like, of it. The ambiance, the sounds are sounds I've never. Every time I watch a movie, the sounds and things I've never seen before. Like I was thinking about uh, Ex Machina, yeah, with 
the the dance scene in the middle of the film like it just it's just such a random thing to have but it really captured how strange this world was it's like it's it's the suspense and then right in the middle an intense dance scene. <laughs> it's like he's things he likes to do that are like super talking unique about oscar isaac oscar isaac dancing with this with this taco meat out deep v just a real cool touch These yeah he looks great that- in this too everybody looks like they actually get a chance yeah. to act which is the other thing about people yeah. ca- it's not like i mean as much as i've enjoyed star wars over the years someone being cast in a star wars movie does not mean they necessarily get much to chew on as an actor you know yeah. um and this actually looks like character i mean again it's a deceptive trailer but i feel like you get a feel for the kind of family relationships and where some of the intensity is going to come from. And Oscar yeah. Isaac is a big part of the trailer for me, but I also yeah. think the trailer kind of tells you not to expect him to last too long. <laughs> yeah. He's, Do you he think seems, he seems like an early death kind of, uh, you know, mentor figure type. <clears throat> you think that Jason Momoa, like, headhunted Dave Bautista on the set of this film to be in a new <laughs> season of C? Like, it, it, it's something, it, it's like something about, like, they must have run it. They must have been like, man, we got good chemistry. Let's see what yeah, happens. Let's keep working together. <laughs> let's be brothers in, a, in something. You're the only Did guy I that just... makes me feel small. Yeah, I like yeah. to feel small sometimes. I want to be the little spoon. Do we just become best friends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, yeah, that's cool. I can't wait to see the film, man. Yeah. Yeah, looks, it looks um, awesome, man. Yeah, so that that's the rundown of... Wait, there's a couple more trailers, real quick. Oh, which trailers? Uh, okay. Well, the which three ones? that dropped, the three that dropped the same day. You had the new trailer for Malignant. We mentioned it briefly. The okay, James Malignant, yeah. original horror movie coming out. Um, yeah. looks pretty yeah, good. And obviously, like I, like I said before, it's like you know James Wan's name on something, especially an original uh, horror uh, property. It's like, yeah, of course I want to see it. The trailer looked pretty yeah. cool. Um, the Jackass Forever trailer came out finally, which. Mm-hmm. That I'm looks so, so in the bag for Jackass movies. Like that's some of my favorite experiences watching movies in theaters, like comedies especially. Some of the <laughs> like most collective laugh, like the most. Oh man, I can remember seeing all of them in theaters, and it's just like a, a blast. And this one so has like, a, yeah, this one has like a new angle. Like they took kind of the legacy of Jackass, and they took like yeah, Loiter Squad, who obviously yeah. is Jackass inspired, yep. and they. They got all these fans of Jackass to to deal with the stunts and all this to stuff. To be in and, on it, yeah. Yeah, so it feels it feels like I, I was trying to I was thinking what could be the angle in this one that would pull me in besides it just being the the gang, just this legacy and and the clips of people talking about how much they were affected by it felt yeah. oddly like kind of emotional. Like man, yeah, it was. You're right. This is spanned twenty years or so, and these kids are like. They're <laughs> Johnny Knoxville is like fifty, and people he's still doing crazy shit and almost breaking his neck. It's crazy. I love that about it, man. I can't wait for that. I can't Cannot wait. For that. wait. Cannot I mean, wait. in the age of everything coming back and everything getting oh, yeah. a, an extension and everything getting a reboot, of course, this is the yeah. kind of shit that almost becomes. There's a there's a layer that gets added with them being, you know, yeah. Like, they, they never were we're supposed to do these things, but now they're especially not supposed to do them. So I think that kind of adds to the, like if the sort of like, uh, you know, the name uh, to live up to the name, I think that I like doing something 
when you shouldn't be doing it anymore and when you might be at more at risk, to me, it seems like it fits right in, in with the brand, the kind of, Definitely. the kind of extra yeah. risk and everyone who's involved is like their story has kind of gone on, you know? So I think it, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it was amazing to see how many people were like expressing that heartwarming kind of goodwill towards yeah. this. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah, this is, this is something people, it's like this, I don't know. It, those those lovable jackass boys are at it again. I, I, feel, like people, much. Yeah. I feel like people take heart from that, you know, and even the people that hate it. It's like great now you can now you can uh, be too snobby for jackass again. It's just it's just like the old days. We're all younger <laughs> now. Yeah, it's really cool, man. Yeah, um, yeah, it's nuts. Um, so I guess are we going to rattle off some things we've seen? Let's talk about some stuff we've actually watched. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Where should um, we start? <clears throat> maybe Fear Street? Yeah. I think that's Fear fine. Star. Fear Street 1666. And uh Fear Street, we didn't talk about 1978 either. We we uh we okay. about the first one. So yeah. Okay. 1978 to me was out of the three, the one that I was like, this tonally is what I want. It's it's like feels like you know, those early horror films that I saw. And and you think that they're gonna go easy on the kids, man? And no, yeah, yeah. It, it's like they purposefully purposefully were like, kids are. You know how I feel about kids getting hurt in films. It's a must because it, right. it's like yeah. it's a thing that has to happen. It's not like it's not like in real life a killer would be like, oh, I'm gonna skip this. That psycho is gonna chop everybody up in this building, you know. So I kind of love that. This felt really, I was engaged throughout yeah. all three of them. Um, what'd you think about 78? What'd you guys think about 78? Steve? I, I, I loved it. I mean, I mean, yeah, me you know, I, I kind of like loved the whole series as a whole. It's probably, mm -hmm. I think it's probably my favorite of the three. The, the second and third one are kind of pretty close for me. Yeah. Well, 78 and 66 uh, are pretty close for me. But I think like the reason that 78 works maybe has the edge is because it kind of sits in the middle as like the middle chapter of something. Yeah. You know, the second act of this large story and it's still so engaging and so effective in, in keeping the story moving along, but also just kind of like expanding on the story and like showing new characters and connecting those characters to, you know, the modern day 1990, you know, four characters that we already met. Mm. Um, so I just think it did all that really, really well. And I think that it was a bit of a challenge for a movie that kind of comes in the middle because it could end feeling like this really feels like a middle piece, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I didn't feel like it ended like that. It definitely ended in a sense where like, I want to see the next one now, but I feel like yeah. it rounded that story out really well and kind of really, um, you know, set some of these characters up that we kind of met again in different in a different way. Um, you know, with their younger selves, the younger versions of the characters that we met in 94. Um, but yeah, I kind of agree with what you said, like in seven, for the 78, like I like that really there was like, you know, no holds barred and, you know, with the kids in the camp, like who else is going to get killed at the camp, you know, of kids, it's going to be yeah. the kids. Um, but there are things that happen, you know, you, it's funny, you mentioned like the whole, like, oh, I'm going to skip the kids. Like, I thought there was a really cool part in the movie where like that kind of literally happens. Yeah you know, where the killer kind of skips a kid and you're like, well, why is he skipping that kid? And it's a part of the whole story. And it starts, and it makes a lot of sense once you see 66 and uh, you know, that stuff is really cool. And um, little things like that get thrown in. I just think it works so well. And yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, I think the whole thing worked 
extremely well. Uh, yeah. I think it's a huge hit for Netflix. And, you know, I think this was originally, this was always conceived to be like, you know, uh, a three series film. And it was, you know, when it was with Fox, it was supposed to come out in theaters. And I, I'd be, I don't know how it would have landed in theaters, um, you know, in terms of just the audience it would have reached because like all three of these movies were trending in the top one or two spot on Netflix, you know, in the weeks. And I think they're still in there now while we were recording this. Um, but it seems like a lot of people have been talking about these movies and it seems like 78 was probably the one that most people really liked the most, but I don't know. What, yeah. what did you think overall, John? I mean, I think I, I, I'm sort of similar in the broad strokes. I, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was well-made. Um, anything that kind of bumped me about it, I felt like it was minor compared to the stuff that I enjoyed, you know? And I think yeah, that yeah. The, the, the sort yeah. of experiment of it i liked i liked the way they i I just loved once i saw what it was and i was like Mm. oh you get you're gonna you're gonna get one next week and the next week you realize it's kind of like a binge model show it's almost like a six hour binge model show but it's done differently you know but keeping you on that hook that like i like i like waiting a week but not a month or two months or three months or whatever they might do with breaking seasons up sometimes so i think i enjoyed that like the structure of it the experiment of it it did feel sort of fun it added to the kind of pulpy fun of it anyway that you knew that people were were like logging in for like oh i I gotta see the i gotta see part two i gotta see part three um my son henry who's 13 and a half, he and his friend Charlie are, are watching horror movies and they had a sleepover and they were watching it and they were, they were referring to it like 1978 or, or, or 1666 or, you know, I mean, it's just funny to hear the, like that, what, what we're talking about, it's like, it, yeah. it worked. It got people talking about yeah. it. It got people like looking forward to the next one. I think that 1978 then might be a lot of people's favorite and probably mine too, because that is something, if you're a horror fan, you have so much affection for yeah. those kind of camp killer movies. And even the, I mean, the the trash aspect of those movies is not unknown to a horror fan. It's a little bit like yeah, yeah. telling a wrestler, you know, this is all scripted. It's like, yeah, no shit, fuckwad. They still have to do the stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And with yeah. horror, it's like, yeah, I know this in a sense is, yeah, we know the formula, but the fun of how people re- re- respond to the formula and what actors do and what directors do and the creativity of the gore and all that, this these movies kind of seem to... I'm not going to say they were like this super fresh spin, but I felt like they took all that stuff that people are fond of with horror movies and they kind of spun it in a... It, it felt... It was new. There's a new vibe to this. In yeah. That yeah. It, it felt like it was meta in its way without being, you know, winking at the camera or spoofing or even doing what Scream did, but it felt like it was very self-aware of what the rhythms of a horror movie are and what you expect yeah. to happen. And I guess because they were kind of adopting this like classic classic slasher structure, in all three movies, <clears throat> to some extent, there's a slasher element. Definitely the first two. Um, yeah. It's like, they just they know what you're expecting. So it's not like every death is this huge shock. It's just that the rhythm of the, the kills, the rhythm of you know the, the, the who lives, who dies, there's a little yeah. bit of fun to be had there. And, and it was yeah. a little bit of a... There, every movie had a little bit of a surprise to it. And the structure of these movies is so kind of light in a strange way and fun, yeah. which is a hard thing to say, but like kids are getting killed, but you're, you're admiring the cleverness of it, you know? The second yeah. movie, I had a spoiler that I should not have had, and I didn't know it until I was halfway into the movie that I shouldn't have had it, because I looked up who someone was playing, and I mm. saw a, a reference to that character's true name, and was like, oh, and it was watching the movie thinking we were supposed to know what I knew, and then getting to about the halfway point in the movie and going, wait a minute, there's a couple scenes where there's two characters together who are in danger, and I knew one of them 
I knew they both survived. Let me put it that way. And I was yeah. like, well, this is weird that they would put two characters in danger that we we know they both survive. Yeah. And then I realized like, oh, they didn't do that. I revealed something to myself by looking up like something. Right, I, think, right. I think it was either IMDb or Wikipedia or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess my point is, even with one of the big twists of the second movie ruined for me, so to speak, I found a different thing going on, knowing what the twist was, trying to see. There was, there's still a little game of cat and mouse with like, how is something going to happen? There's something we know is going to happen in that movie from the beginning. And it, it yeah, keeps yeah. you guessing. And I would say when it gets to the moment where the thing happens, it's so brutal and so like over the top that even I, who has watched, you know, everything and used to watch movies because they had gore in them, um, I was like, oh, that was one, that was one act, <laughs> one whack with the axe too many, maybe yeah. two or three too many for me. It was, it was hurting me physically to see. But, yeah. um, you know, I think it's interesting that these movies could do that, that thing they did. Me I would, I, I think you'd have to step back and really look at what they did as far as the tone, because they managed to be funny and a little bit mean-spirited, but never... Like lacking sincerity uh, with the characters and never being too much at the expense of the characters. And getting to the yeah. end, close to the end, there was a moment where my family, we all agreed, well, I don't want anyone else to die. Like, yeah. we've seen enough good people die. There's right. a core group there at the end, and you're sort of like, I now yeah. have, I now sort of have hopes that none of these people will will meet their end. And the, right. and the, the movies yeah. had shown that they would kill people, though. And I feel like, I don't know, I guess I'm going on about it, but I think that that's an interesting trick that these movies pull. And over the course of three movies and three weeks they really did make you feel like well these movies could have a mean twist and a mean turn so i don't i don't trust that anybody's going to make it out okay and yeah. that that did make the the climax kind of tense in a way that that felt interesting and i i think that the, the idea that clearly they're going to try to expand this out into more and do a, either a second wave a second season a second trilogy a spin-off this feels like it could be that kind of conjuring verse kind of thing where there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of offshoots. I don't necessarily need that. I'm just saying I think that's the intention here and I think Netflix is probably eyeing this as an annual or you know something event, right? Like they have to yeah, be. Yeah. I think so. I th and I also think it's more than a coincidence that Stars just 6 days ago announced the Jet John Wick 3 night movie thing. Yeah. Did you you guys the Continental uh is going to be a prequel of the John Wick story. And it's going to be three nights, 90 minute movies th over three nights. More than a coincidence that it, they're announcing it right at the tail end of this, right. this yeah. movie series, because this worked. I mean, regardless of how you felt about, you know, the campiness of it, I think it's supposed to be campy, like you said, uh, uh, like you guys said, and it just worked. I mean. Yeah. I, I could point out that racism didn't exist in 1666 in this movie <laughs> or, or that like this was more the village than the village was. Yeah. Like it just didn't look like 1660s. There was just too much modern shit to the. That, but. that 16. No, I don't want to interrupt you too much, Ronald, but I just want to say that 1666, it handled that version of stuff, that village stuff that you're talking mm. about. I thought it handled it with the scares and with the fun. It did, yeah. a better, it did a better job than so many people have tried. Yeah. And I'm not saying better, like I love the movie The Witch, but I think it's like a lot of people, a lot of people get left that. behind by The Witch. A lot of people yeah. don't right. feel brought along by The Witch. Yeah. The Village is a famous kind of shaggy dog story that a lot of people feel like the twist didn't justify the movie. That you're right. This tone was like they did. They actually got you going with a with that kind of uh, you know colonial period stuff, but it didn't feel weighted down as so yeah. many things that are set in that time did. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like it's the first movie that I watched that took place back then, and I'm like, oh, this is how a mob gets started. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is how it happens. It's like you you create some doubt, you create some some sort of like you know 
to people competing and well you you don't believe this person because they're evil because they're a witch it's like i, I was like oh shit man I, I, let's kill this kid it's like it, yeah. it, it got it got really <laughs> it escalated very quickly but you could see how it could happen uh it just was i thought it was well done and here's the last thing i'll say um the story sh- shouldn't have made any sense and somehow it did <laughs> It should not have made any sense. It shouldn't have spanned three time periods and and wove the things the way that it did and been as logical as it was. But it really felt like they, without insulting your intelligence, mm-hmm. were like, here's here's a here's a little piece right here. Here's a little piece right here. This connects to this spatially. You got where things were. It was like when you saw when you saw a thing, you knew exactly where it was. You know, like when they show the underground yeah. stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah. fuck, that's like under the mall where they showed the thing before with the anyway, it just, you know, how I feel about space. I, I mentioned space a lot. It just did a very good job of spatially orienting you. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we love it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we're uh, saying I mean, that, yeah, lo- love it or not, it was fun as hell. And I think yeah. that like fans of the genre definitely should see this. Like if, if mm. I, I was talking to a friend recently who's a horror buff and he was like, oh, I've heard I should watch this. And he was, he seemed like he was really skeptical of it. And I think a lot of people think it's going to have that kind of goosebumps R.L. Stein feel to it, but it so yeah. does not. <laughs> it so goes, it <laughs> leans into that R without being, I thought like overly violent or overly crass, but it definitely yeah. wants yeah. you to know that like, it's like okay, it's a it's a teen. It's like it's for kids, and then it's not. It's so totally not. So I, I you know, right. I, want, I wondered about that from a marketing standpoint, Steve. Have you heard anything about any demographic information or anything like that that suggests that, you know, like I mean, I guess the kids are going to watch these movies. They make them for grownups. Thirteen, fourteen year old kids are going to find them and watch them. You know, definitely. I mean, I think it's like it's kind of in that like little gray area of like a, a gateway, you know, type of property for horror fans already. You know, they're going to watch it anyway if they're interested, maybe. But, like, you know, new types of fans of the genre who are kind of on the cusp of, like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. You know, and Netflix has kind of played a lot in that area. Like, they've had a lot of those um, horror properties and, you know, where they've made movies that are, like, a little campier, a little more of, like, an entry-level type of horror movie. Like, that series that they have, like, uh, that, uh, is it called The Babysitter or, or whatever that series is? Like, mm-hmm. they have like two movies in there. That's like one, some of their highest watched movies, you know? So I think in general, like, it, it kind of serves a good purpose of, you know, pulling in horror fans, even ones that maybe are a little skeptical because it's R.L. Stein. But I do think that they've done a pretty good job at differentiating it against Goosebumps because, you know, even from the source, you know, Goosebumps is always geared at like a younger demo where, you know, the Fear Street books and, you know, even it's, you know, comparison to like Christopher Pike books, like they were definitely more teens, young adults. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think, I, I think that this was like legitimately great personally. Like I, yeah. I was thinking back like on the year so far, or even maybe beyond the year, like with the exception of seeing a quiet place too, like, I think this is some of the most excited I've been watching a movie, you know, in the past, like, you know, year or so. Yeah. Um, you know, and especially because of the nature of the of the the layout, like the the week to week uh three in a row type thing. Um it was just such a such a satisfying uh experience consuming three movies for the kinds of movies that are like my favorite kinds of movies back to back and they were and they were all very good. And I think yeah. as the whole yeah, I, I loved it in general. I hope they continue to do it like like uh, John was saying earlier. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. So, what else? What else did we watch? 
Um, we or co- collectively or the majority of us or some of us. Space what, Jam. That's right. I'll, I'll, what would we think about uh, Space Jam? I did not see Space Jam, but I've been dying to hear you guys talk about it. Because, see, I didn't see the first one, <sighs> so I don't have, like, a love for the first one that this one could betray. Um, I know a lot of people that saw the first one and don't think it was very good, but kind of have weird affection for it anyway. So yeah. I don't know where you stand with the first one or this one, but it doesn't seem like anybody's coming out defending this movie, at least that I've seen. So I mean, the first one was a disaster. I mean, if you watch that movie, like it's <laughs> it's a it's a one of the things that's really hard to get through is what Michael Jordan's doing. I don't I don't know if it's a performance. I don't know if it's he's very like oh we got to get the team together like that. And it just feels kind of weird. <laughs> now LeBron has a little more, but, but <laughs> you have a hard time feeling like a sympathetic feeling for him when he's not particularly kind to his kid. He's like kind of an asshole to his kid. And then the kid disappears and, and he's proving his worth. And it, it, look, man, this, I don't think this movie can be judged on the same level as like a a Pixar film or something like that. This movie is schlop for, in in terms of just what it represents. It's just it's a it's a Nike commercial. It's a Warner Brothers property commercial. It's all that stuff. A LeBron a, commercial. It is a LeBron. It's a LeBron resume. The first yeah, fifteen minutes are legitimately like just like a montage of his accomplishments. Really. That's funny. It's well, the like, first yeah, one was but, kind of like Michael Jordan worship too. So I guess that's not yeah, a great surprise. Yeah. But um, yeah, but LeBron's an interesting guy, man, because he does have the chops. The writing was really bad, though. Like I, I feel like a funny script would have blown this. This would have been knocked out of the park if you would have had. You know who I think should have done it? Um, the uh, the Lego people. Um, Chris Lord and Phil Miller. Yeah, Lord Miller. Like if if they that it needed that quirk to it, like it felt like it was kind of self aware, but in the worst way. Like it's like in a way that like uh, an executive would be like, so the joke is going to be that LeBron is the greatest of all time. We're going to take that and we're going to topple it. We're going to spin it right on its head, and you're going to be the butt of the joke, LeBron. <laughs> Everybody's going to make fun of. It. <laughs> you're going to love it. <laughs> They're going to call you a dummy. They're going to make you look like a cartoon. It's like, yo, it's, that's not funny, man. Right. It has to be well-written and it just wasn't. Well, no, it is but like, it is like, I hey, it. You get up there and goof around and it'll be funny, you know, like as yeah, opposed to like yeah, actually having yes. material. I, I, just, I can just, I've seen comedies like that before. So yeah, it just, and Don Cheadle was amazing in this. Like Don Cheadle's doing something. Oh my <laughs> just, god! It's a bad movie, man. But I gotta, I gotta admit, I was entertained <laughs> from start to finish. I mean that that's the that's the weird thing about it is that mm-hmm. I feel like it is kind of like an entertaining family movie, you know, like kind of like an all ages kind of across the board type thing. But I feel like, um, you know, yeah, sure, the Michael Jordan Space Space, space Jam is also probably not a good movie, but yeah. probably when it hit us at the point where we were, where like, you know, a family or a child may, like a younger child may watch this one, it, it would probably affect them a similar way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That Space Jam yeah. hit us. Like, you know, yeah, it's not a good movie, but I like Space Jam. The, I like the Space Jordan Jam one. too. Um, this movie is like, yeah, it's entertaining in, in a similar way. But I think like, you know, the, obviously you mentioned like the, the script is like, the, the it's just horrible, horrible 
script, like the dialogue is bad. LeBron, I don't think LeBron is good in this movie really until it lasts like 10, 15 minutes of the movie. And uh, I think he has it. Like he was really good in Trainwreck. I mean, yeah. When he first enters the movie, it's like I feel like it's like painfully bad. Like he's <laughs> he, he's he's genuinely bad. And it it kind of like set me as, like aside right away where I was like, oh, this is the uh, the opposite yeah. of kind of what I thought based on what I kind of was expecting. Yeah, yeah. From him, but I think the probably biggest thing that the movie kind of suffers from is just the idea that it's like. I don't know. I feel like where Space Jam was in 96 when it came out, like it was like way more going for the meta stuff, like with the Looney Tunes and everything, where this yeah. one is really just super dependent on the Warner Brothers branding and like flexing as much IP as possible in whatever way they can in this story, whether it makes sense or not. You know, and oh, I yeah, think the, that's... The, the montages of characters that really don't make sense. Like, who's there? That's what I'm there's crazy Harry Potter, characters. Game of Thrones. Yeah, and, and there's like live action scenes from <laughs> Warner Brothers properties that they're interacting in. Yeah. One are not kids related at yeah, all. There's like, at all. Mad, no. there's, like a, there's like a Mad Max sequence. Right. Yes. There's like uh, a Matrix. Casablanca, Casablanca Matrix. Yeah. Like, yeah. This what? is these are not these are probably for the adults. These are probably for the Space Jam '96 fans. Yeah, but I mean, like for the family element, that stuff seems weird, um, and it kind of overshadows even I think what they're trying to do with the pot. The movie has a very positive message, which is a good thing for kids and for families. Yeah, like I, I, I do think that's there, but yeah. it just felt really messy and uh, yeah, a, a pretty big miss I think in general, especially for you know LeBron's. Uh, production company, which is a big part of this, but I think it did well. I think it did think well it did at the too. box office. Like it, 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 it unseated Black Widow at theaters. You know, where I think it did like thirty some upper thirties at the box yeah. office, while also being on HBO Max. Um, so interesting. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, it's good. It's a good word. Yeah. Um. Oh, you saw Never Have I Ever, right? Yeah. So the opposite of Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably never have I ever. Uh, uh, so both of you guys saw it. Yeah, the, both. Of, I didn't see it yet. How, what, what, please tell me how. Man. Tell me how it is. That show is perfect. It is such a good show. So it's a good follow um, up to the first season. I, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I was kind of late to the first season, and I was messaging you, messaging you guys on Friday, like, oh, I didn't even realize second season came out. Right. And just immediately dove in and watched it like in two nights. Um. Yeah, man, I just like love the characters. The writing's great. I love the narration works so well, and like you kind of get, you know, little teases of the other characters' voiceovers from other celebrities through the season. Um, and I just love the I, lo I love Davy and like you know the crazy shit she goes through <laughs> in high school. Um, and I'm a sucker for like the high school coming of age rom com drama, whatever you want to call it. So I mean, this this show really kind of um is that is that genre but it's got a fresh take on it and it, you know and, and what kind of what they do with her family this season is i think works really well and uh i don't know that it's as good as the first season i mean just because it's kind of i don't know a continuation of the same story but um in general though i thought the second season was great yeah we loved it i mean and and we and my, my wife and i watched it the first time around and then this one when it came out 
um, I was busy working on some projects or something down here in the basement, some audio stuff. And they were like looking for something to watch. And Nikki was like, can I, you know, cause we were getting ready to watch the second season. And she was like, if Henry likes never have I ever, can I watch, do you mind if I watch the first season with them? And I was like, no, no, you know, I wasn't planning on necessarily rewatching that anyway with you. And she said, yeah, okay. So they went up and then they binged the first season, like within oh, wow. a night or two. And then like, were bugging me when are you gonna watch never have i ever and like and henry was loving it i mean he thought it was so funny but there were some moments the three of us watching that second season in here where we just had those big laugh i mean i don't know there's some big laughs there are some yeah. really big laughs the characters as steve said are great um and you remember that but but they they continue to juggle them i do think there's something about a first season for a show like that that's so special um and I have a feeling we might be saying same things about Dave and Ted Lasso when when the second seasons are over too. It's not that the second seasons are like a step down. It's just that when a show arrives kind of perfectly formed, there's not much a second season can do that technically ups the ante. It's more just, right. do you love these characters? Okay, well, here's the continued story of those characters. And yeah. they do try to keep you on the track of certain big things that you might feel are the themes or the ideas of the show. But you also feel like Davey on this show, and Never Have I Ever, her story is open to the extent that you might end one season feeling one way and and then start up the next season and realize the way you felt at the end of last season has some nuance to it. And this definitely, in terms of her love life, there's a lot of back and forth throughout the season and there's a lot of characters kind of dealing with the similar thing in those, those teen years, that intensity of crushing and wanting yeah. someone to crush on you and wanting to be asked to the dance and, oh, someone's with your your ex, but are they really your ex? Or who, why are they broken up with you? Is it your fault? Um and it's that kind of liking all the characters and seeing how they the show kind of works hard not to give you many villains. I mean, there's a couple of uh, maybe secondary or tertiary characters that you would say are there just to be antagonistic. But the show doesn't really have that many villains. And that is why it's kind of snuck up on me that like if the show does have a villain, and we may have said this about the first season, it's Davey. That we're kind of watching the right, person right. who ha who has the most difficulty getting along, who has the who ha I mean, she's very relatable. I say all this. I love her character. She's so great because she is often the one who's wrong. And sometimes you watch her going on her apology tour, and you feel like, well, she she shouldn't feel so bad, or she shouldn't be dragged so much through the mud. Like, why does she always have to be the one? Like, not only not only is she maybe the one who's the most careless and the most erratic, but she also is the one who's kind of left holding the bag uh, right. most often. So it. You know, you'll if you love her, you'll kind of you'll kind of love the show because her character kind of de defines it. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, and I guess maybe the main event, maybe. Yeah, well, maybe podcast? so. A big movie that's that's hitting uh, home home viewing uh, at the day this podcast comes out. A movie that Hell you may yeah. have been reading reviews about a lot recently if you're a movie follower. Um, Zola. Zola. Based on a Twitter thread or i guess rant because it wasn't they weren't threads back then in right. 2015 about zola uh, uh, a woman who embarked upon one of the craziest adventures that i've ever heard of in real life um i've experienced pieces of things like this but never anything quite like this adventure man so uh janixa bravo yeah uh, she did great. this one great great director uh taylor page stars in it um riley keogh riley keogh um domingo coleman god he's so good he's, or coleman he domingo but he's kind of all over the place you know what i mean like he's starting to pop up in all these movies but he's really good in this like he he's what he's doing in this film 
is something that I haven't really seen before, man. It's intense and funny and scary. And he has this like presence about him, man. Um, and when he breaks, when he breaks and you hear this, like, I'm not going to give it away, yeah. but when you, you, he, he breaks and he goes a little crazy. It, it's, it was, it was, a, it was a ride, man. Um, what'd you, what'd you think of it, John? I really liked this movie a lot. I thought it was funny and tense and, and had like commentary about things. Like it wasn't, you know, it's one of those movies that's very character driven. And I, I thought also very interestingly, like the filming and the editing and the scripting and the acting, all those things working together to kind of just give you a, a feel that you don't feel like you've seen that often or a narrative you haven't seen, a style. It, like there is a production value to this movie and it's shot on film and it has certain things about that that make it feel very gritty and grainy but also yeah. kind of like there's a classic it felt like a real movie it, i don't know it just felt so interesting and i like there are moments where there are people in a car talking and they're on a road trip and you just feel like they found an interesting new way to film people in a car on a road trip that reminds yeah. you of those times when you've been in a car on a road trip and how long that can feel <laughs> and how yes. stuck with people you can feel and you say zola she kind of goes on this adventure if you know anything about this you may have heard the broad strokes of it but i think we're wise not to spoil too much um but it is just yes yeah, she's she's basically going out of town on a job with people she doesn't know very well and so it's a road trip and it's a you know a misadventure in that way and it and the way some of the stuff ramps up may remind you of like a Tarantino film or um, <laughs> I heard someone refer to the sort of uh, the back half of Boogie Nights when everything's in in free fall and it's just out of control. It kind of reminds you of those moments where you're just kind of living in a scene that makes you uncomfortable. And there's a great lead character, Zola, uh, and I do not have the script, the, the cast list up, but who's the actress that plays Zola, the lead of this? Taylor Page. Taylor Page. Um, she was... Uh, I can't believe I'm spacing on the. What was the coming of age movie that we watched about the guy? Boogie. Boogie. I mean, I remembered her from that. I'm sure she's done other things, yeah. but I remember in that thinking she really made an impression on me beyond maybe that movie in some ways. So she was really good in this. Riley Keough has been great before, and and like it's a real transformative performance for her. She really goes for it. I don't yeah. know the guy that plays Derek. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of mentioning things I liked about this movie. I mean, it definitely will be maybe some people's cup of tea and other people may find it a little off-putting, but I think Janixa Bravo, she just knows how to like the staging of things, the timing of things. There's a weird kind of subtle, odd, naturalistic tone to these movies that feels very real, but also very surreal. Um, uh, was that movie called Tangerine, the movie that was shot on uh Yeah, the on iPhone, phone. yeah. I mean, it's not exactly like that, but it was a similar kind mean. of like going into a world where you're, you sort of, you get the pace right. and the speed of these characters and you see how the stakes in some ways are, are different from the movies you normally see, but in other ways, the stakes are just as big as you would get in like an action movie. And after I saw this, I showed the trailer to my wife and... um I mean, I love the, like the trailer got, you know, have you ever done that where you see a movie and then you watch the trailer and the, the trailer gets you like really into the movie? Yeah, <laughs> like got me, It just got me so excited about so many of the moments in it. But I, yeah, I think it was really interesting and, and it was odd how funny it was in a way that you don't often see, despite being in some ways a very upsetting movie. Um, yeah, absolutely, man. So. Yeah, it's worth checking out, man. Did you see it, Steve? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Um. I love Riley Keough. Like I, I think she is so good. And yeah, uh, yeah Taylor Page I really like too. I, I liked her in uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom as well. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so was uh, Colton yeah, Domingo, I, right? He was in that. Yeah. 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 Yep. 
I didn't really know much about it. I know Rano had mentioned it a few times, like, you know, when we watched Boogie that, you know, she was involved with this movie. Um, and I remember that I remember seeing or hearing about the Twitter thread or the story that came down on Twitter. But yeah, I mean, that's a good comparison. This movie is just like a ride. And I thought uh, I thought it was really good, actually. It kind of surprised me how much I was into it because I didn't really know much about yeah. it beyond like where it kind of placed in like the headlines when it was kind of going around. But um, it does feel like kind of like a fresh, like a breath of fresh air kind of movie yeah. too, like a different kind of style to it. Uh, a pretty awesome cast. Like I, I, I think you mentioned Nicholas Braun in it. I really like him in it too. He's from uh, Succession. Most people probably know him from Succession. Was he Derek? Um, yeah. I didn't mention and, him, but, uh, I, but his performance was incredible in this. Yeah, he's really good. Um, but yeah, man, it's like a really cool movie, and I think it, it's on video on demand now. You said, I think yeah, now, video on demand. You did the a twenty eight twenty four screen. They did they did uh, last night. Yeah. But um, I, it's uh definitely worth checking out, especially if. You're aware of the story, seeing it realized, and you know uh, a narrative film was pretty exciting. And uh, I don't know, something about Riley Keough like really draws me in. Like I, yeah. I really like her. Like Mad Max, she had a smaller role, but like the yeah. um, the Lodge, you know, last year we were talking about her in the Lodge, and even some movies that I've seen her in where like I didn't really like love the movies entirely. Like I thought she was really good in. Uh, what was it? Uh, Hold the dark, and um, it comes at night. Um, and the girlfriend experience that that show that she was on. She just really, she's really just like has this charisma. I think that just like is really just like ma- magnetic watching her, especially right when you were introduced to her in this movie, like at that restaurant scene. You know, right when they first meet, it's just like, damn, they, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, well, like she gives her that that compliment just out of the yeah, room. yeah. That was intense, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah it was cool man no this is good i i really enjoyed this i'm yeah. glad you kind of i'm glad you reminded me to check it out because it was it was really good yeah i watched it twice i watched the screener and then i watched it like this morning i it did something to me man like it, you're right riley keogh and taylor's you know it, it's it's interesting because like at first you think that this is a relationship worth salvaging and then you realize that zola's doing much more than 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 the other characters doing in in some other scenes like she's kind of a lot more aware of her surroundings than a lot of other people which is really cool to watch um so when you watch it a second time it's almost like watching a horror film you start to see <laughs> the, the the deception of all of it starts a lot earlier then when she said it started and you start to see like weird stuff that she's, she's doing during the course of the movie. Um, yeah. So I, I loved it, man. Worth checking out. So, okay. So we all agree it's worth, worth, worth seeing. That's, that's cool. Yeah. We covered a lot of shit, man. We covered a lot of stuff and I feel like we've, we've kind of, if you look at the, the time markers on this YouTube is like 20 things. It's like 20 things we touched on. Feel accomplished. Good. Really good. Accomplished. It, it is funny that like, it feels like not that things are by any means back to normal. Cause it's like, we, I think we have a long way to go still. Yeah. And hopefully we don't like re- re- retreat back into an old version of what's been going on. And I will see uh, over the last year, but, it does feel interesting. Like it does feel like there's like this sense of like, there's so much stuff coming out. 
you know, yes, like so whether much. it's TV, whether it's the Disney Marvel stuff on Disney Plus or like, you know, Zola, like these video on demand, like the, the theatrical window also shrinking. It's like, you know, if you didn't get to see stuff in theaters, like Quiet Place 2 being on video on demand now, like it just seems like, you know, over the last week or two, I've felt this like variety in terms of like what I see people posting that they're watching or, or enjoying, which is cool. And like, you know, Netflix is never at a loss for having tons of stuff available, like so much so that you kind of forget what's there sometimes, which is like, you know, to their detriment, I guess. But, um, you know, just it's cool that, you know, there's some sense of like things starting to come out again, you know, and um, having a lot of options and variety and choices into the kinds of movies you can watch. I mean, like we just talked about Fear Street, Space Jam. Never have I ever Zola, you know, these are, they couldn't, they, these are all very different properties and available in different means, you know, in different ways, you know, black widow is still being available on Disney premier access. If you want it, if you haven't seen it in theaters, but it's just like, it's a cool time, I think to kind of get that sense of options back and variety. And, um, I just love over the last week, how many different kinds of things I had an opportunity to watch, which was like, which was just great. I think. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think that'll wrap it up for 307. Uh, thanks for coming back to the Movie Schmovie podcast and hanging out with us for a bit. Like I said before, I think next week we're going to commit to doing uh, the next episode of the, the Watch Them All. Watch Them All. Nightmare on Elm Street Nightmare 5. Nightmare on Elm Street. The Dream Child and uh, Freddy's Dead, which is Nightmare on Elm Street. Is it just called Freddy's Dead or is it Nightmare on Elm Street 6, Freddy's Dead or... I don't think there's a six uh, in the title. I don't know if there's a six in it. I don't know. I have to see when I rewatch yeah. it. But but Nightmare on Elm Street five and six. Um actually if you think about it, the the movies that kind of wrap up the um the regular series of Nightmare on Elm Street. We still have more Nightmare on Elm Street or Freddy Krueger movies to to watch for our watch them all to complete it. But but five and six are the last like proper uh, original timeline Nightmare on Elm Street movies, right? Because um, you got a versus Jason, think, yeah. a remake, yeah. and then a kind of creative reboot. New so, Nightmare, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. So we're closing it out next week. So yeah. you've got you've got time now to seek those fine, fine films. No, these are the worst, possibly in the series. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, watch them so that you can get all of our jokes next time. I guess. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you can find the podcast all major podcast platforms. But to make it easy, you can just go to moviesmovie.com. You can listen to every episode we've ever put out there if you want, uh, or you can kind of jump from there to whatever podcast platform you'd prefer to subscribe to us uh, through. And uh, we'd really appreciate it if you had an opportunity, if it's there, to do a review or a rating, or even just hit that little that little square with the arrow going up where you can share it to all kinds of different places. And maybe uh, send it to a friend or you know a family <laughs> member or, or somebody who you are going to talk about movies with in the future. Um, we'd appreciate it. And, cool. you know, we joked about it at the top of the show, but the Marvel Schmarvel feed is our YouTube exclusive that we do kind of around the Marvel properties coming out in theaters or on the Disney plus service. So um, if you want to catch up on that, if you're maybe just getting through Loki and want to see what we thought about that series, you can find that on our youtube.com slash movie movie page. And, uh, you know, subscribe there. You'll get the bell, you know, hit the bell, get the alerts for, those episodes and this, I mean, you know, this podcast 
publishes there too. So you could even watch us on YouTube every week if you like. But um, either way, it, it's appreciated if you can find a way to follow us and keep up with what we're putting out there because we, we have a good time getting together every week and still going. You know, this pandemic, if one thing, we've uh, streamlined our uh, commitment to the show and yeah. to each other. And it's always nice to see you guys every week. And hopefully we can keep that going. Absolutely, um, man. I'm good. If you guys are anything yeah, else you want I'm to say, good. I'm good. All right. Well, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.